<clears throat> hey, listen, uh, some of y'all have been at Four Points for quite some time, and some of y'all, this is your first time, and we're honored that you're here. But I just want to say, man, uh, it's, it's been really fun this week looking back on some of the pictures and stuff. Four years ago, Friday, 16th, we had our first service. There were 49 people there, and it was everybody's mom and them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, we invited everybody. Family from out of town, everybody came. And our first three months, we averaged 41 people at church. And it was, it was scary, and it was awesome, and scary. <laughs> we, and we didn't know what we were doing. And today, we just know we don't know what we're doing. So it's awesome, right? But it's, it's, it's so good. It's such a blessing to look back and um, see so many of you that have given time and of your talent and let God use you and, and you've given so generously in your resources and we're just thankful. And I just want to say before I say anything else that looking back, uh, man, we're just thankful to watch God work and to see. And can I just say this? This is what I told uh, our staff this week when I was thinking through. If we improve, <laughs> y'all just stay with me just for a second. If we improve in four years, the way we improve this four years, whew, okay, because just show of hands, how many of y'all were at Pizza Inn and you got to come to worship at Pizza Inn? Let me see. There's like seven of you. Let me just tell y'all something. What y'all just got to witness in worship? Okay. Come on now, somebody. It was awesome. See this? God used it. Listen, and we're thankful. But there were some rough days. Okay, let me just tell y'all right now. There were some rough days at Pizza Inn. True story. Okay. And then I'm getting into it. I'm going to get mad, so I'm going to have to pray right when I get done with this. Someone played a harmonica on the stage and sang this little light of mine, and they were serious. Okay? True story. Our first summer. So this is the change to God be the glory. And I'm just telling you, if God keeps growing it, it's going to get crazy. And so that was free. Y'all can clap because it's worth clapping. Let me just tell y'all, I don't often, like, I know I talk, I hear a bunch of pastors say they think about quitting. I've never... I've never had that issue except for that day. Come on now, somebody, because it was rough. So anyway, let's pray. God, this morning, I believe that you want to do a work in us. And um, I just think you're going to show us something that is going to continue to shift um, the culture of this house. And so I'm just thankful, God. Um, God, you multiply it. Only you can. And today we, we come with open hearts, open hands to see what you're going to do. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Man, all right. Listen, the first couple weeks of the blessed life was the the uh, mammon was the first week. It, it's something totally different. Spirit of mammon. If y'all didn't see it, I'm I'm begging you to go back and and watch the video because it's crazy. If you didn't if you didn't watch it, then you're not gonna know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going back and covering my work. I will tell you the second week was the the principle of the first, and we'll kind of tie in with that one. But for most of my life, I've given, and I really haven't understood why. And there's a principle, there's a balance and understanding of God just wants your first so he can bless the rest. And for so long, we felt like it was a tax. Like, God, why do you want this from me? And why do you want a tax from me? And why are you like holding over all my stuff? This is my stuff and you're God and you have everything anyway and what's the problem? And, and so we've missed the whole point. And today, today, and this might be my favorite one, okay? Today is the, the principle of multiplication. So let me just, by show of hands, would it be all right with y'all? And I need y'all to talk to me. Would it be cool with y'all 
if God multiplied your stuff, just show of hands if, if that would be cool with y'all. Everybody that just kept your hand down, by the, by the love of Jesus in my heart, you're a liar, okay? Let me just tell y'all the truth. Because I know good and well, because what I would ask y'all next is, how many of y'all would hope that God will take all your stuff away, right? And then awkward, right? So, like, one person. But, but truthfully, if we would do it the right way and God would make things multiply, we're all for that, right? It's awesome. I want that. That's great. Until we see what it takes for God to do that. And then we're like, hang on a second. I wasn't into that. Like, that's, that's dumb. In the Bible, there are, especially in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the first four books of the New Testament, there's lots of miracles. Jesus did a lot of cool things and a lot of miracles. And like people hang their hat on, this will happen to me, this will happen to me. And they miss the point behind them a lot of times. And there's one miracle besides the resurrection of Jesus, there's one miracle in all four gospels. And it was the feeding of the 5,000. And today I want to look at Luke's, Luke's version of it. Luke's, in Luke chapter nine, I want to look at what he does. And this, this will be a different way. Even if you grew up in church, you probably haven't looked at Luke chapter nine in this way before or the feeding of the 5,000. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. Get your tablets, get your phones, get whatever you got. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 12, it says, Now the day began to wear away. I mean, it was getting old. The day was getting long. At the end of the day, and the 12, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Send the crowd away and go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and, and food, provisions and stuff, dude, because we've been here a long time and this is a desolate place. We're in the middle of nowhere, bro, it's time to let them go home, 13. But he said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, you give them something to eat. <laughs> like, <"Arr!" laughs> okay, this is great. And they said, uh, all we got is five loaves and two fish unless we go buy some food for all these people. So like, and we just said we're in the middle of nowhere, so what you want us to do, right? <laughs> Verse 14, this is awkward, Jesus, come on, man. For, for there were about 5,000 men. Let me just side note right here. In the Bible times, especially in the New Testament, when you dealt with, with numbers, they normally just counted the men. And so in this case, it was probably about 20,000 people. It didn't count the children. It didn't count the wives. It didn't count the ladies. It just 5,000 men. And so when you hear the feeding of the 5,000, that's a lot. When you hear the feeding of the 20 to 25,000, you're like, what? Right? That's a lot of people on the side of a mountain listening to Jesus preach without a microphone. This is already awesome, Right? Because I'll be honest with you, can I just stop here? I wouldn't have wanted to go home either if 25,000 people were listening to me preach all day and they hadn't gotten up. So that's not Jesus' fault, is it? Come on, right? All right. 5,000 men plus women and children, 20 to 25,000 people. And he sat and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And so y'all just picture it on the side of this, this beautiful mountain right beside the lake, right beside the Sea of Galilee. Big, huge place, and it was, it was a slow incline, so, so it was not hard. And Jesus was probably at the bottom, so all of them could hear. And you got group of 50, group of 50, group of 50, and they're everywhere. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing over it. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to each of the disciples, set before the crowd. And they... All ate. Everybody say all ate. Everybody got something until they were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. And when I read this story and, I've, and all the gospels, they're interesting because it's all the same story from a different perspective. Because these guys were either eyewitnesses, they were there, or they talked to a lot of people that were there. And they wrote down what the Holy Spirit inspired them to write down. 
And in this particular one, he doesn't give a ton of information, but I think it's perfect for what we're dealing with. And it's this. When I read this, I like to put myself in the story. Do y'all ever do this? Do y'all ever read the story and be like, I want to act this out. I want to pretend that I'm there. And I often pretend that in this story that I'm one of the disciples. Because here's the thing. Here's the background, okay? They had, they had been watching Jesus. They, Jesus had, had called them from being fishermen or some of them were tax collectors. And, and there were some other people in like... And, and so there was a, a motley crew of people and they weren't the chosen ones. They weren't the best of the best. And like they get called out and they watch Jesus start doing this and they start getting important. You know what I mean? Like 25,000 people. If I gave away a car today, 25,000 people wouldn't show up to four points. Okay. And, and Jesus is just on the side of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. And dude is giving away, like, look, all these people are here. And I like, I mean, I like to believe that if I was one of the 12, I would think I was pretty prominent. Like, you're welcome. I'm with him. You know what I mean? Like, look at this. And then like what it would have been like. And so you get there that morning and you're like, I hope like 2,000 people show up. That would be really cool. Or what about 5,000? And then you see him start rolling and you're like, okay, <laughs> like, they're here to see my dude, right? And he just calmed the storm. Like the storm was going crazy and Jesus said, peace be still. And like, that was him. So now I know why you're here. This is all good. This is awesome. And you feel good about stuff. And Josh, go back to 12. And, and it says, the day began to wear away. Let me explain exactly what that means. Because from the disciples' perspective, this is what it means. That the day began to wear away, right? It was at the end of the day, and they were looking, going, we got here at breakfast, and we didn't have breakfast. And then we passed lunch, and we didn't have lunch. And it's dinner, and we don't have And something's got to give, right? And so you can just picture the 12 off to the side. Jesus is still talking. All the people are around. You can just picture them off to the side. Hey, man, someone's got to say something to that cat because he's still preaching, right? Some of the staff feels like this sometimes when I go past my time. Like, somebody put a sign up. That dude's still preaching, right? But, like, they're looking on. And, and so you can just picture it. Like, first we got to draw straws. I don't know if they had straws back then, but we're going to pretend they did. And they draw straws. And Peter was the loud one. I kind of understand Peter, praise the Lord. And like I, and so, and you're just thinking, you're, you're looking at him going, and some of the quiet ones are just sitting back there going, please let it be Peter. Please let it be the loud one. And like, and you can just picture it coming up to Jesus. Hey Amen. Just so we're on the same page, this has been fantastic today. Okay. I mean, like for real. I mean, you've been teaching on like all this cool stuff. You preached a whole sermon series just this morning. <laughs> praise the Lord. Right. And then you kept going. <laughs> awesome. So, so like, Everybody that was here as a pastor, they get two sermon series out of this. That was really good. <laughs> That's good. But, watch this. It's getting late in the day. <laughs> Jesus, check this out, man. The day is wearing away. <laughs> okay. It might be time to pump the brakes and end this thing. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know you're God and all. <laughs> no big deal. And I know you're doing these cool things. But for real, have you looked at what time it is, bro? And like, we're on the side of this mountain. And it is absolutely beautiful, by the way. The mountain they believe it happened is called Arbel, A-R-B-E-L. And you should just Google it today, Mount Arbel. It is the most breathtaking place. But you need to remember when you Google that, that today is 2015. And the pictures on Google are probably not from Jesus' day. Are y'all with me? It's probably from today. And it's still not like a real hopping place. Still pretty desolate. But back then, you didn't get in the car on top of Mount Arbel, drive the car around, go through the cities and stuff. You had to walk a significant distance. And at nighttime back then, this wasn't fun. They didn't have flashlights. 
Maybe. Maybe some of them cats did that I don't know about. But they, they didn't have much of anything. And they're like, look, it's getting late in the day. These people have not eaten. And plus, they need a place to stay. And the Motel 6 didn't leave the light on back in the day, right? So like, we've got to do something. So we've got to make this happen. And you can just picture it like, and here's the tension that I feel when I think about these stories like this. That's what I do with God. God, listen, I know that you have all these plans for my life and stuff, and that's cool and all. But like, can we talk about this? Maybe you need to come with my plan, right? Because you've been going all day, right? And, and it doesn't make sense. So why don't we get to it? Okay. Like, What are you trying to get to, God? You've been preaching all day, and this is weird. They need something to eat. And this is what Jesus says. And I feel like, you know, I know Jesus and he's in my heart, but I haven't spoken to Jesus in the flesh. And I love this part because I feel like he's sarcastic. And I say, praise God for sarcasm. Come on, somebody. And he's like, all right, bro, you give him something to eat. <laughs> can, you, can you put yourself in Peter's shoes right here? So what'd you say? Because <laughs> like in this room, if you told me feed everybody, I'm like, oh, snap, right? There's over 100 adults in this room right now, easily over 100 people. And I got a cough drop, okay? We're struggling. I can't feed y'all. So I'm a little bit full of anxiety over a lot bit trying to feed all of y'all. And then Peter looks out and goes, okay, 50, 50. Okay, we got 20,000. Nope, right? This is bad. You give them something to eat then. And, and they're like, bro, we just have... Like on the way up, this little dude stopped at Long John Silver's and got the two-piece fish with extra rolls. I don't know what you want me to do, right? <laughs> this is all we got. So we got a little bit of food, a little bit of food, right? But that's all we got. How many times have y'all looked at God and said, we got a little bit, but that's all we got? And you ain't going to better do it because this is all you got to work with. How many Come on, somebody. How many times have we looked at God and said, you know what, God? Your way's not working because your way doesn't make sense. Have y'all said that to God before? Your way doesn't make sense, and so I'm going to have to see it to believe it. I'm going to have to be able to, to make the pieces fit because my, my world is my world, and your world is God. You're God. So, like, make it look good to me. And it's so funny because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see is what Hebrews chapter 11 says. And yet what we tell God all the time is, God, this is going to have to work in my way. And we begin to barter and bargain with the God of the universe who created you and made you and loves you and wants to multiply things in your life. And what we do is, God, I believe that you can and I believe you're the same God that fed the 20,000 people, 5,000 men and women and children, but you need to do it my way. And if we just take a second back, we would look just like I'm saying right now into this microphone and say, that's just as silly. And then we say things like this, you know what? I really believe the God of the universe is the same God that we serve, but he just won't do the miracles in me. Maybe that's never been the problem. Maybe the problem's been me. Maybe I've never been a receptacle or a container that can handle the blessings of God because he's waiting on you and you believe the blessings of God are extravagant. And what you fail to understand is the blessings of God may be this big and the multiplication may be extravagant. And he's waiting on you to do the miracle. What if that's the case? What if we look at God and say, you need to bless me. And he's saying, I already have. I'm just waiting on you. And you keep telling me how things are going to be. And I'm just waiting on you. What, what, would, what would this world look like if we ever believed God? I just keep asking myself in this story, what would it look like? 14. There was about 
there was this many people and they had them sit down and this is what I feel like it looked like, okay? I feel like at this point when they, when they sat them down, they all started looking, okay, it's about to be on, you know what I mean? Like this is going to be good because <laughs> they've seen God do it before. And all of you guys that have seen God do miracles, this is the tension that we come in. Okay, God, I've seen you do it before, and this is going to be the exact same way that you've done it before, and I already know the outcome. And then God throws a curveball, and you're like, wait a second, that's not the way that you did it before, and you're supposed to keep doing it the same way, and you can't change it up on me. God, I, awkward and all, I know you're God. But you got to do it my way so I know what's going on. Because can I be honest with y'all? I hate surprises. Like, my wife is not in here, so I can say this this service. She likes to surprise me on stuff, and it's so awkward. Because I like, I badger her on my birthday. Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's coming? And she's like, just shut your mouth right now. It doesn't matter who's coming. And I do the same thing with God. I'm the worst to do nice things for because I badger my wife. Just tell me the surprise. I want to know. And God's ready to do this great work in my life. And I'm like, just tell me, just tell me. I just want to know. And we don't walk out in faith because I've got to see it to believe it. And I just wonder what blessings we miss. Because we're looking around, and this is, this is the tension I feel like Peter saw right here. He's like, the next verse says that Jesus, in verse 17, and they were all satisfied. And so sometime between here and the last verse, something had to click. Watch this. What did it look like when Jesus broke the bread and then handed it to him? Because I think, listen, this is so important. I think what they thought was going to happen is it was just going to start multiplying right there. Don't miss this, please. I think they thought when they got it, they were going, oh, like I can just picture being Peter right here. Let me go get the wheelbarrow, right? Because we're going to have to feed all these cats and Jesus is about to do his thing. And he blesses it and he breaks it. And then what I think happened is when he handed it to Peter, he got half of one loaf. Y'all been to Outback, the little, the little loaves of bread that they got? Imagine getting that broken in half and having it handed to you and say, okay, go feed that 2,000 people. What you say? <laughs> Those two people you said? And you get to the first two with that half of one loaf. You're like, listen to what I'm telling you. Don't be stingy. Okay? You're going to get this much. Don't you take more than that. Right? And he comes up the, first, the first, very first person. <sighs> That's it. Don't try to take more. And he gets rid of the last piece on the second or third person. And then all of a sudden the loaf comes in. He's like, okay. And he gets rid of that and all of a sudden two loaves. And all of a sudden he's got so much he doesn't know what to do with it. And it begins to pile up and he's giving it away. And he's like, y'all just come get it. Look at what's happening in my hands. But I do not believe that the miracle happened when they broke it. I believe the miracle happened when he gave them the broken piece and it hit their hands. And he didn't let it stay in his hands because this is the part that I struggle with. In a prominent position like this, like I'm somebody, right? I'm important. And they get the peace. Don't we often say, God, I deserve that? I deserve to eat a little bit. And even though there's only a half a loaf of bread, I'm at least going to get mine. You can, they'll, they'll figure it out. And here's what's crazy about it. Everybody got satisfied, and they all got a doggy bag to take home, right? All of them got a doggy bag to take home. Now, that's pretty awesome. Because if they would have just held the blessing, they would have gotten this much. And instead, they got a basket to take home. 
And that's pretty awesome. I want to give you just a couple things. If you'll write these down, it's going to be quick, but I want to give you a couple things. The first thing they had to do was bring their first to God. The first thing that the disciples had to do was bring the first. They gathered everything that they could gather, by the way, and they brought all of the first five loaves and two fish to God. Because here's the deal. God provides the blessing. God provides the blessing. They had to provide the first. If you, if you didn't hear last week, go back and listen to it. But it's only, listen, it's only your responsibility to bring the first. But so often what we do is say, God, bless me so I can bring the first. And we look at our current situation. We say, I cannot do it. You don't understand. Do you see what I have? And this is my question back to you. Do you see what they would have done if they hadn't? 20,000 people would have gone home and said, God taught me all day, but nothing happened. And yet so many people saw miracles because of them. God blessed it and broke it and gave it. So often we look and say, yeah, but that's not what I asked for, God. Before I give my first, you need to give me what I asked for. And I just wonder what would it really look like because they didn't ask for baskets full. They just wanted a little bit and God blessed them with more than they could imagine. But it's not about what they wanted. It's about their open hand and if God could trust them with it. Here's what verse 16 says. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed it. God blessed it. But they gave the five loaves and two fish. They gathered them up and they gave them. That's all they could find. Can you imagine? They went through all the people and all the food was gone. All the drink was gone. Everything was gone. What do we do? They brought everything they had to God and they laid it at his feet and said, all right, it's got to be on you. And then he gave it back to them after he had blessed it. And number two, they had a decision to make and the blessing had to be given away to multiply. Listen to me, everybody here that would say, I want my stuff. I want my life to matter. I want God to make it mean so much more. The blessing must be given away for it to multiply. And I just wonder in this room, how many times have we received a blessing, even if it looks small? And we've held it in our hands or put it in our pockets and said, God, the minute that you really bless me, like I think is a blessing, is the minute that I'll give it away. And what have we not seen? What have we not seen God do as a church and in your homes and in our schools and in our lives and in this community for the tens of thousands, listen to me carefully, the tens of thousands of people that don't know Jesus. This is not about getting a pretty building. Will we have a church someday that is not here? I believe yes. But this better never be about that. This is about the tens of thousands of people that are about to move in. The 600 homes that are being built right now within one mile of this church and the people that are so far from God, they don't know him. And I feel like we're saying, God, why don't you reach them? And he said, I've already blessed you. When are you going to give it back? When can I multiply what you've done? I want to reach the least lost and only way more than your pastor and way more than their leaders and way more than every person in this church will ever do. When are you going to do it? Because the blessing depends on God, but the miracle depends on you. And he's waiting. And I just wonder, what's it going to look like for us to say? Boom. Because that's the difference in the miracle. That's the difference. It's an open hand, an open heart. Say, God, I don't get this. Because let me, I'm just going to just call a spade a spade right now. Tithing does not make sense. 
If it makes sense to you, that's awesome. I, I invite you to come to my office one day this week and explain it to me because I've studied it a lot and I still can't make sense of it, okay? But I can make sense of this. I can tell you story after story and I wish I had time of all the miracles that God has done from an open hand. I just was told a story in the VIP room from one of our girls that volunteers. She's amazing. What just happened is unbelievable and I love it. I want everybody to hear what God is doing. And when you first hear it, you're like, Ugh. This is what it looks like. God does things that are extraordinary and you can't even make sense of it. Can I just tell you this? I believe with all my heart, and this is a little bit vision for today. And it is a little bit looking back because it's our fourth birthday. But I know for sure that God has told me directly that this church is going to reach thousands of people with the gospel. And I believe the reason it's not because we preach better than everybody else or we worship better than everybody else or we serve better than everybody else, but because we're going to be a people of open hands saying, God, you multiply. It's never been about us, and we just want to be a church that worships and reaches you. And I'm telling you, with all my heart, I mean this. This is not manipulation. This is just, I mean this. We are going to reach thousands of people, and God's going to do miracles, and people are going to look and say, how did that happen? Have you seen that dude that's leading that church? Yeah, but little is much when God is in it. God makes the miracle happen. Because the blessing must be given away for it to multiply. Look what verse 16 at the end says. And he broke it and gave it. And they set it before the crowd. And sometimes you're going to feel like they felt. Because I just really believe this. They, I bet they were nervous and they had that lump in their throat. And you ever had this feeling if God doesn't right now, then I don't know what we're going to do. And do you know the reason that I think some people don't receive a blessing or a miracle in their life because God has blessed you if you're a follower of Jesus? It's because they've said they're giving it away and they said they follow Jesus. But do not miss this, and I'm saying this with love. They're still holding on. They believe that they've given it away. And the reality is somehow, someway, they're still holding on. And if that's the case for us, we'll never see the miracles of God that we really can see because multiplication stops in a closed hand. Miracles stop in closed hands. And what we could see stops because we tell God, you know what? It's still it in my way. So there's three just very simple things that I have. Uh, these are practical for every person. These are three simple things of how I believe miracles can begin to start in your life. This isn't like a get rich quick. This isn't a, like a wand. But I do have a Bible story to go with this that I think is awesome to close it out. And so I just want you to see this. Three simple things of how I believe we can begin to open our hands. The first one is don't let debt run, ruin your life. And let me explain what I mean by this. Don't let what you see and what you wish you had today and what you wish your life looked like at 25, 35, 55, whatever it is, because you look and say, well, at the end, I've got to have this or I won't be happy. Don't let that be what ruins you. There's some debt that's not bad, okay? Your house is not bad debt, unless you have a house that costs two and a half million and you make 30 Gs. Let me just promise you that's bad debt, okay? Then we got to ask how you got that loan. But, but there's some debt that's not bad debt, truthfully. And not all car debt, listen to me, not all debt is bad. But I promise you, if it's above your means of living, you just want here and now, and you're telling God, I need the blessing now, and I don't trust you with an open hand, and I'm not going to give it away. You need to give it to me, or I'm going to get it. 
And you cannot live a life of multiplication and see God do miracles in your life if you believe you deserve a blessing. (laughs) What we deserve, can I just be honest with y'all, is death and hell and separation from God for all of eternity. So every good gift comes from above. That's what the Bible says. Coming down from the Father of lights. Everything that I have is from him. I don't get why God has blessed me so much, but I'm telling you, the first thing that we need to do is look and say, let's get out of debt. We're about to start a get out of debt small group and some of y'all need to go back there right now and sign up. It will help you so much. And our next steps, they'll, they'll be back there to tell you and show you. And it's Davin and Allison Acker are leading it and they'll be back to show you. But that would be so good for some of your homes is learn how to, to properly deal with your finances. And then this one's the big one. Manipulation is crazy. I told someone this story out there. Um, please don't get offended if you're a Clemson fan because y'all are awesome and Carolina stinks. So, and I'm a Gamecock, so to God be the glory. But Lainey came home with a white pumpkin, right? And I was like, why'd you get a white pumpkin? And she said, because we're Gamecocks. And I said, Lainey, you didn't have to get a white pumpkin. That's what I'm talking about, right? And she's been manipulated by her daddy loving the Gamecocks her whole life. And we have, that's positive manipulation, Gamecock fans. Let me just tell y'all something. But listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. That's a joke, even though it really happened. But you experience positive or negative manipulation every single day. You choose to use your influence to raise it up for the kingdom, or you choose to raise up your influence for your kingdom every day. So here's a story that came to my mind. Second Chronicles chapter one. I'm not going to show it to you in the Bible, but I want you to write it down. Second Chronicles chapter one, verse six of second Chronicles chapter one says that Solomon, when he was getting sworn into office to be the king, David had passed away. He was the next one and he was going to be the most amazing, powerful king that ever lived on this planet. When you became the king of Israel, you had to make one sacrifice. Listen to this. You had to make one sacrifice, one first before God of a fatted calf, a bull. And the way that a sacrifice happened is you had to, there was a process. You had to cut the neck and spill the blood and put the best part of the fatted part, the filet mignon, if that makes sense to y'all, on the middle. And then you made a burnt offering. You threw away the bad part. And, and, and it wasn't just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It took a while, okay? And it, the, listen, the Bible says in, in verse six that he did 1,000 bulls. And that may be like, that's sweet. It took forever. Like that would have taken so long. When he had to do one, you got to get this. When he had to do one, he said, you know what? My God is worthy of so much more. I'm going to do 1,000. I'm going to give God so much more than he asked for. I'm not going to go with the minimum. I'm not going to just try to get by. And I feel like all of us, if we just be honest right now, would say sometimes I just want to get by in my life. I just want to do the bare minimum so God can see it. I just want to give the first and then go do my thing. And this is what we miss. When I just, get, when I just give a little bit to get, when I just do a little bit so God's not mad at me, I miss this. He had no idea what was about to take place. He got sworn in. He knew that was going to happen. I bet people in his life said, you're crazy. A thousand bulls, a thousand of your first and best. You know how much money that costs you? You know how much time that's going to take? You know how over the top that is? Have you ever done something that's extravagant for God where people look at you and say, bro, that's a little over the top. Ma'am, that's a little bit too much for God. Here's what happened in verse seven. God came to him at night and said, ask me for anything. Ask me for anything. 
and I'll give it to you. And at that point, what you're supposed to say is, I want to be richer than anybody in the world, right? I want to have so much power that when people walk out to me, they say, Pachow, right? Because that dude is powerful. And he said, I just want to be wise. And God was so filled and honored by his request that he gave him more money and more power than any human being that has ever lived on this planet has. Some theologians believe that he would be worth close to one trillion dollars today. And if that doesn't seem like a lot, a thousand millions is a billion and a thousand billions is a trillion. And that seems like a lot of money to me. Come on, somebody. And he got all those things. Listen, don't miss this. Not because God loved him more, but because his gift was not manipulated by selfish ambition, but because he so loved God that he said, I'm going to be over the top in my gift to you and I want you to have more. God, you deserve more than you can ask or imagine and I just want to give it all to you. You ask for one, I'm giving you 1,000. I wonder what blessings have not been poured down and what multiplication hasn't taken place because we've withheld from God. And I wonder what's going to happen in your life when for the first time you look and say, God, it's all yours. You tell me where we're going to go. It may not even make sense, but I want it to be all yours because I'm going to give. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give it all to you. This is all yours. Guys, listen to me. We are going to change the world. I had someone come in my office this week and say, I think you need to temper your expectations. I promise you I'm not lying. About changing the world. And with the most honor and respect I could, with tears in my eyes, I said, I think you need to temper your expectations of the God that you serve because my God is bigger than what you think your God is. And I think maybe you've been burned as a young person in your life and you looked out and you said, God, you never can do this in me. And here's what you failed to understand. It was never about you. It was about your open hand and open heart. God does not look for your talent. God is God. God does not need me to speak well into a microphone to do a miracle. God just wants my heart and my hand open so that he can pass his power through because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that lives inside of me. God is waiting on your home that is broken to do a miracle in it on your hand and your heart being open. But do not tell God how it's going to be and then ask God to open a blessing. God is waiting on you to say it's all yours. I don't need more to bless. I need you and your blessing. That is all that I need. I am opening up. I will not manipulate. I will not do anything that is out of your power. I will follow you. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And today, it is all yours. We, God, will change the world because of you, not because of us. And so listen, the reason in the eighth year that we have a church, that we're going to stand up here and we're not going to be in this building, but we're going to be wherever God sends us. It's not because I'm going to preach better, but because we as a people are going to open our hands and our hearts up and say, God, this is all about you. And today we're going wherever you send us. We're not always going to understand like the song Ocean says, but we will follow you. So lead us out wherever that is and we will follow you. And today as a people, we will stand up and say, we're going to change the world. Will y'all stand with me, Jesus, today? This is all about you. And we celebrate Jesus, the name above all names. Not our hard work, not amazing talent, but we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate the fact that for no reason you took nobodies and you begin to set foundational groundwork that is going to change the world. God, I believe with all my heart that this church is going to reach tens of thousands of people and is going to be a global church that changes the world. And today, what we say is we don't want to give a little bit and we don't want to give just enough, but we want to give all of who we are. 
And we want to see you do more. God, we will extravagantly give of our time and our talents and our resources and watch you work and change the world. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Sing with us.